Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Good morning, church, and welcome to Church Online. Uh, a big hello, um, whether you're watching on Facebook today or YouTube. I'm excited about um, what God has put on my heart for the church today. And I pray that uh, you encounter his spirit and that he reveals exactly what he wants to do through the word in your life today. Uh, we're starting a new series on the book of Philippians starting today. And we're going to be doing we're going to be in this book uh, for the next several weeks. Um, the overarching theme of this letter is joy. Uh, at least 19 times in this letter, Paul mentions joy rejoicing, or gladness. Um, this joyful uh, letter was written to the church in the town of Philippi, which was a Roman colony in what is now northern Greece around 62 AD. Paul founded this church during his second missionary journey, and it was actually the first place in Europe that Paul preached the gospel in. Um, you can actually read the story in Acts chapter 16. In fact, I want that to be um, your homework this week, that during this week that you would uh, go to the book of Acts chapter 16 and you would read about the church in Philippi being established and started. I think it'll be really helpful to you as we uh, continue this journey in uh, the book of Philippians. Uh, the reason I believe this series is so significant for us is because everything happening in our nation right now, with all of the craziness uh, surrounding us, I think we need some joy, wouldn't you? Uh, some of you might be thinking, joy, how can I have joy right now? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we're, we're, we've got a huge uptick in shootings around the country. This past weekend, July 4th weekend, uh, in New York City alone, there were 11 people shot and 45 people injured due to gun violence. There's the viral uh, video of that man walking with his young daughter across the street and then someone pulls up in a car and just shoots the man right in front of his daughter. We've got injustices happening everywhere. How can I be joyful? Well, I think you could ask the Apostle Paul the same thing. When he wrote this epistle, he was not writing from his summer home on the lake or from the comfort of his own study at home, but he was actually penning this letter while in prison, probably in Rome. Um, while he was in prison, one of the members of the Philippian church, Epaphroditus, brought a special offering to Paul to help him throughout uh, this, this difficult time in his life. And so the book of Philippians, or the letter of Philippians, is actually kind of a thank you letter to the Philippian church for their generosity and for their partnership in the ministry with Paul. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to um, be in Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse number 1. And it says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. Is that true of you? When people remember you, do they have a feeling of gratefulness and thankfulness rise up in them? 
or is there another emotion that comes up when they think of you? I'll just leave it right there and, and move on. Uh, verse four, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse six, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to know today as we start this series on the letter to the Philippian believers. I want this truth to inform us throughout this series. And it's this, you can walk in joy today because God is going to finish what he started in your life. Paul tells the Philippian believers in verses four through six that he prays with joy for them and that they can be confident that God is going to complete the work that he started in them. In fact, one commentary uh, talking about verse six says this, the perfect tense of the Greek word translated being confident indicates that Paul had come to a settled conviction earlier and he was still confident it was true. This was a persevering confidence that Paul was talking about. Do you know anyone that is a good starter, but a terrible finisher? Any of you at home? Maybe, maybe this is true of you. Uh, any of you out there that start books, but don't finish them? You're like reading 13 books right now because you picked one up, read a few pages of it, got bored, put it down, and then picked another one up and and now you've got like 13 unfinished books that you are reading. Any of you out there like that? Uh, everybody makes New Year's uh, resolutions to lose weight and go to the gym. But how many are still going to, to the gym at the end of the year? Lots of people love to start a business. But how many people have what it takes to, to sustain that business to keep going? Lots of people start out strong in their marriage. But half of people's marriages end in divorce. And then there's a, another large portion of marriage marriages where there's no passion. Uh, there, there's, no, there, there's no fireworks in the marriage anymore. They're just glorified roommates. But Paul says here that we can be confident because God is a good starter and finisher. He will never start something without finishing it. He could have just looked at the world with all of its sinfulness and evil and washed his hands of us and left us to our own vices. But over and over, he has given us chance after chance after we mess up. He sent a flood but kept Noah's family alive to ensure that mankind would live on. He sent his one and only son in the flesh to dwell among us to provide salvation for mankind because we could not provide that salvation on our own. The greatest work that Paul talks about that God has begun inside of us is the work of salvation. And this salvific work is a threefold work. It is the work God does for us, salvation at the time of our conversion. It is the work that God does in us. It's sanctification, the process of forming and shaping us into disciples of Christ in the way of Christ. And then this work is the work God does through us, 
service to others. I talk about this a lot, but American Christianity is consumer driven, meaning it's all about me. It's all about what I can get out of it. What can I personally get from Jesus if I give my heart to him? Almost like we're doing God a favor when we get saved. It's, it's, it's all about what is Jesus going to do for me and through me that is great, right? How is Jesus going to make my life better? And how is Jesus going to make me happier? But true salvation isn't complete without a call to sacrifice and love for others. God is working in and through our lives. If you're having a difficult time in your marriage right now, you can have joy because God is still working in you and will carry it out through to completion. If you're struggling financially right now, you can have joy because God is still working in you and will carry that work out through completion. If you're struggling with fear right now because you've lost your job and your source of income, you can have joy because God is still working and he will carry this work through to completion. Maybe as you're thinking about where our country is at, you, you, you might be experiencing feelings of hopelessness. Maybe you've expected more progress when it comes to racism in our country, and because of that, you feel hopeless today. Maybe you see the country so divided on everything right now, divided on President Trump, divided on the coronavirus pandemic, divided on how the country should move forward with race relations, divided on how Christians should be viewing all of this and responding, and, and, and it's left you confused and, and even somewhat hopeless. Let me tell you something, believers, we can have joy because he promises to carry to completion the good work that he has started inside of us. That should bring you encouragement today. So how can we be confident of his joy and why can we be confident of this joy? Well, number one, we can be confident of this joy because he is the one who started the good work. If you're watching today and you have been saved by the grace of God and have a relationship with Jesus, it's because God chased you down and captured you by His love. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb and He's had His hand on you from before you could ever remember. But He didn't chase you down and capture you by His love because there is something innately greater in you than someone else. That's not the reason why He captured you. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but contrary to what your parents told you, it wasn't because you were super duper special. In God's eyes, all of humanity is super duper special because we were created in his image and in his likeness. He started the good work of salvation in you because of his grace, because of his mercy, and because of his love. It was because of his goodness that God pursued you and captured you by his love when you got saved. We can be confident of his joy in our lives. Number two, because he is the one who sustains the good work. Not only does God start the good work inside of us, he also sustains that good work that he started inside of us. The Holy Spirit is the one who works in you to bring glory to Jesus through your life. Ephesians 2 tells us that we have not been saved by our good works, but for good works, okay? 
We have been born again to do the good works that God prepared before the foundation of the world. And it is God who will sustain us to fulfill that good work and carry that good work into completion. As we submit our lives to Jesus day in and day out, the Spirit of God will form and shape us into Christ's image. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin as well as things that are unhealthy for our spiritual lives. And as this forming takes place, as this shaping takes place, as this process takes place in our lives, the goal is intimacy, joy, and delight in Jesus. We can be confident of His joy in our lives because, number three, He is the one who will complete the good work in you. God not only starts and sustains this good work, but He's going to complete what He started inside of you. The work of the Spirit won't be complete in our lives until the day we die and we're in heaven or, or until Jesus comes back and we're raptured up and meet Him in the clouds. Maybe you find yourself hitting a wall in your spiritual life today. Maybe you've hit the pandemic wall where you are so sick and tired of social distancing and having to put on a mask everywhere you go and you're just like, I'm done with it. I'm finished. I'm ready for the virus to just be done. Maybe you've hit a wall because of that. Maybe you feel like your relationship with Christ is plateaued. Maybe you haven't gotten revelation in the Word of God for months. Maybe you haven't felt God in your prayer time in a long, long time. You just feel like every time I pray, I don't feel anything. I'm just kind of going through the motions. Maybe you find yourself binging on Netflix instead of investing in your spiritual growth because of this wall. I've run a few 5Ks in my life, which is about 3.1 miles, and that's about the most distance running I've done. Uh, but anyone who does long-distance running or competes in a sport that requires endurance will tell you that there comes a point in the race, whether it's a marathon or you're playing basketball or you're, you're in basketball practice. And when I, when I was playing basketball in high school, our coach would make us do something called suicides. And it was, you would run from the baseline to the free throw line, back to the baseline. And then you would go from the baseline to, the, to half court, then back. And then you would go to the opposite end of the free throw line and then back. And then you would go to the opposite baseline and come back 90 feet. That's as long as a basketball court is. And you would have to do like 25 of these. And by the end of it, guys would be throwing up. Guys would be just falling down. And, and, and there just came a point. There comes a point in any sport or in any race where you feel like, I can't go on. I can't move forward. You feel this wall and you're just like, I can't do it anymore, where you have reached your capacity and you feel like you can't make it another inch. Oh, a while back, I listened to a podcast from a guy who had run the Chicago Marathon and he was talking about this very thing of hitting a wall. And he hit the wall while running this marathon at mile 17. And he said, at this moment, when I hit the wall, a pep talk wasn't going to work. Uh, someone yelling at me and threatening me was not going to work. He had reached his mental capacity. And he was running with a partner uh, that had done a ton of marathons and had climbed some of the most challenging mountains in the world. And he said this to him. It doesn't matter how you feel the entire race. It only matters when you want to quit. And he told him, you didn't train to feel good. You trained to get through it. So persevere. If you find yourself hitting a spiritual wall where you feel like the work 
God started in you is stalling right now. What you need is not a pep talk, but perseverance. That's what you need, my friend. Knowing that God is the one who started the good work, will sustain the good work, and will carry it on to completion should stir in your heart, uh, should stir your heart with joy that produces perseverance in your life. Daniel 7.25 tells us that one of the strategies of the Antichrist when he comes and he rises up is to wear out the saints. And Daniel 7.25 says this, He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Satan doesn't need you to commit some terrible, heinous sin. His strategy is to wear you down until you quit and give up. One of the main ways that I believe that Satan uses to wear believers out is through unmet expectations. I know that's how he works in my life. I took some time to write down some unmet expectations in my life that the devils tried to use to wear me down. There was a specific ministry goal that I wanted to accomplish that has gone unmet. I had an expectation that I would be healthy throughout my life, and then I would got diagnosed with cancer. After my first bout with cancer, I expected that that would be the end of it, and then I was re-diagnosed. And once I was re-diagnosed with cancer that second time, I fully expected that God was going to supernaturally heal me, but that didn't happen. And I am healed today because of chemotherapy, and I'm so grateful, but my expectation for a supernatural healing did not take place. I expected that our church would grow fast and that we would be self-sufficient by now as a church, but that hasn't happened. And, uh, you know, when we have those unmet expectations that happen, it can bring discouragement in our lives and we can feel like quitting. We can feel like giving up and, and the enemy can just whisper all sorts of stuff in our ears. And, and his plan and his strategy is to wear us down to where we say, I'm not going anymore. I can't go forward any longer. I'm not going to serve God anymore. I'm not going to pursue Jesus anymore. And that is when the enemy wins. What are some unmet expectations that the devil is using to try and wear you down? For those of you watching that are single, maybe you expected to be married and have a family by now, but that hasn't happened. Maybe you expected to be further in your career by now, but you're not. Maybe you expected for your financial portfolio to look better than it does right now. You might have expected to accomplish more by the time you were whatever age you're currently at. And you might have thought that you would be way further and have way more accomplishments than you currently have. You've had this vision of your life, but your reality looks nothing like the vision that you had for what you thought your life was going to look like at this point in your life. And the enemy is using the discouragement of unmet expectations to rob you of your joy. The enemy's strategy through all of this is to hopefully wear you down and wear you out until you give up on pursuing Jesus with all of your heart. And it happens little by little by little. It, it happens one unmet expectation after another unmet expectation after another until you find yourself wore out, exhausted, discouraged, depressed, disappointed, and you just feel so weak that you feel like you can't keep going. The enemy wants to steal your joy by wearing you down. But Paul is saying to the Philippian believers, 
Don't give up. Be confident in this, that God is going to continue the work that he started in your life and in your heart despite the current circumstances that you find yourself in. The devil doesn't have to sap our joy because God is still working even when we can't quite see it. Even when we can't quite feel him, he is still working. Christian joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. It's not dependent upon our prayers being answered exactly the way we want them or expect them to be answered. It's not found in everything going our way. I urge you today to not allow your present circumstances to cause you to quit. Persevere, saints. Keep moving forward. Don't give up. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2 say this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The word the author uses here, translated as endurance, in this passage means the characteristic of a man or woman who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. Meaning, when we hit that wall where we feel like we can't keep going, that is not the time to quit, but to persevere by God's strength. That is what Paul meant when he said, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When you come to the end of your physical capacity, your mental capacity, that is when you have to trust God. That is when God's strength kicks in and helps you to keep persevering and to keep running the race that he has called you to run. Jesus was able to persevere because he had a joyful vision of the future. He was able to see beyond the pain of his present circumstances into the work that his father was accomplishing through the suffering of the cross. He was able to see before it. That's why the author there says, the joy set before him. There was no joy in being whipped uh, to pieces. There was no joy in the nails pierced through his hands and his feet. There was no joy with the people mocking him and laughing at him. And, and when they, they shoved that crown of thorns in his head, there was no joy there. But he was able to see beyond that joy of what was going to happen after he endured the cross into the resurrection and into salvation for mankind and into ascending to the right hand of the Father and ruling and reigning with the church. He was able to see beyond his present circumstances. You and I can have a joyful vision of the future because God's work in our lives keeps going and going and going and going. It's not up to us to try harder or work harder. God is doing the heavy lifting. It's our job to keep pursuing Jesus. It's our job to keep running with endurance. It, it, as some versions of verse 2 say, fixing our eyes, fixating our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher 
of our faith. Because like I said before, God will never start something that he is not going to finish, including the work that he has started in your heart through salvation. You know, as a father, I am invested in not only bringing my children into this earth safe and healthy, but I'm also invested in them finishing their race strong. And so Priscilla and I are invested in when we do everything that we possibly can do to help them uh, once they become adults, that they can run their race and finish their race here on earth strong. You know, I'm not satisfied with them starting kindergarten well. I want them to finish their senior year of high school well and move on into college and their career and their and get married and have a family and all of those things. I want them to do that well also. As a human father, I am so limited in what I can actually do, but our heavenly father is not limited at all. He has no limits. His power, his strength, his love is unlimited. Our heavenly father is not satisfied in us simply praying the prayer of salvation and then leaving us to figure out life after that. No, he is invested in our spiritual health and well-being long term. God will finish what he started if we won't give up. That's why Paul told us in Galatians to not grow weary in doing good, but in due season or in due time, you will reap a harvest. What does that mean? It means there is something beyond the wall you're currently hitting. There is something beyond that. There is a harvest beyond that wall, but but we can't grow weary in doing good. We can't grow weary in, in, in doing the things that we know we need to do every single day, regardless of if we feel it or not, regardless of if it feels good or not, regardless of what's happening around us. We have to do what we know how to do because we know there's a harvest beyond that wall if we will not grow weary in doing good. There's a harvest awaiting you. Don't give up. And don't allow the enemy to wear you down or wear you out. I want to close today by praying Paul's prayer over you found in verses 9 through 11 in Philippians chapter 1. And so can we just bow our heads and close our eyes uh, from wherever we're watching today. And I want to read this prayer over you. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.